In Psalm 121, we hear a very important question that is asked. Verse 1 of Psalm 121 says, I lift my eyes up to the hills. Where does my help come from? Life is hard. It's difficult in many ways. And we are often in way over our heads. And we need help. We need real help in life. We need powerful help in life. And we need to know where that kind of real help can come from. And also, for what purpose are we helped? Not just are we helped out of problems, but what are we helped to then do once we are helped out of those places we need to be helped out of? And with those questions in our minds, I want us looking at the second half of John chapter 14 today. That we're continuing the Gospel of John as we've been doing since last Easter. John 14. Missing last week, it feels like it's been a while since we've been in John 14, but we're starting in John 14, verse 15. And as we look at this passage, I want us to remember that this is primarily the words of Jesus. We do have one interjection from one of the disciples, but the rest of it is all Jesus speaking. And this is the night before he is arrested and killed. It is at the Last Supper, and so Jesus has this long, extended teaching to his disciples, and this is a big chunk of it today in John chapter 14, verses 15 through 31. Follow along and let us hear the word of God. Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. And that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while I am with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. 
You heard me say to you, I am going away and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced because I am going to the Father. For the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it takes place so that when it does take place, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you for the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me. But I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise, let us go from here. Amen. Let us pray. Oh God, we thank you that you are a God who wants to be known. That you are a God who has made all the world so it reflects your glory. But even more than what we see in creation, we see in your word. That for it is in your word that we know all there is to need to know about salvation and living for you. And so, Spirit, I pray that you would work through this word you have inspired, that we find in the text, and that you would work in and through us, that you would use me in spite of my own sin and weakness O God, to faithfully proclaim Your Word. To do so clearly. And I pray, O God, that You would please give us ears to hear. Open our hearts, open our minds, that Your Word can do its work in us. For You promise that where Your Word goes, it falls like rain and snow on the earth that bring forth life. And so, God, may Your Word fall on us like fresh rain and bring life in us that we would love you and obey you more. In Jesus' name, amen. So as we think about this question, where does my help come from? I want us to first look at this passage by looking at that word helper. And then we're going to see how both Jesus and the Holy Spirit help us and how they help us to lovingly keep his word. So the word that we find in verses 16 and verse 26, that the ESV, that's the English Standard Version, that's what's in the pews as well as in the bulletin, the word that is translated helper is the Greek word parakletos. Now, I I am not a fan of referencing Greek and Hebrew words, especially in sermons, because I want you to trust your English Bibles. Your English Bibles are great. There's nothing wrong with them. There are a few Greek and Hebrew words, however, that it's really good to know because it's hard to translate them into just one English word. And so the ESV translates parakletos into helper. But in other versions, if you brought your own Bibles and it's not an ESV, you may find that it's translated counselor or comforter or advocate. And those are all really good translations as well. See, the problem is that parakletos means all of those words rolled into one. We just don't have an English word that really conveys all of those concepts. And so as one commentator writes, this word parakletos means to strengthen, to encourage, to serve as a legal counselor. And we can use the English word helper as long as we don't think that the helper is subordinate to the one being helped. So parakletos is not like when our boys want to help us cook. Because when our boys help us cook, 
They are subordinate to the head chefs. And we allow them to only do so much that they are very much under us. That's not what a paracletos helper is. A paracletos helper is more like the help provided by an EMT or a lifeguard or a defense attorney whom we entrust ourselves to, trusting they have great power to help us and they know the help that is needed more than we do. So in verse 16, Jesus is saying, I will ask the Father and He will give you another parakletos, another helper. Now, that implies if they're getting another one, that they currently have a helper. Who might that be? Well, that's, that's Jesus. Jesus is the current helper who will soon depart And the Holy Spirit is the other helper who will come to them soon and be with them forever. Now, that does not mean that Jesus is like, all right, I'm done helping this group. I'm out. I'm going to go chill in heaven and just relax. No, Jesus still helps us in heaven even when he is not with us. Our assurance of pardon that we read earlier in the service from 1 John chapter 2 uses that same word, parakletos, to call Jesus our advocate in heaven, that he advocates for us in heaven. He is pleading the blood of his own sacrifice, saying, yes, these ones should be forgiven. I died for them. So Jesus does continue to help us in heaven, but he's promising a present help, a help that is with us and that he is leaving and will no longer be with his disciples And so another helper will come and help them by being with them. Well, if they're helpers, then that begs the question, how do the helpers help us? And what are they helping us to do? Well, if you listen through the passage, we heard a repeated principle. One I I pulled out of our Old Testament reading. That those who love Jesus will obey his commandments. That if we love Jesus, we will keep his word. That does not mean that we obey in order to be saved. It means that because we are saved, we then obey. And so Jesus and the Spirit encourage us and strengthen us so that we lovingly trust Jesus and obey His commandments. That's the help they are providing for us. And in this passage, we see how they do that. How Jesus and the Holy Spirit Help us to love Jesus and keep his word. So we're going to look at Jesus first, since he is the helper that was with the disciples at that moment. And I don't know about you, but when you read through all these verses together, you can kind of get overwhelmed by what Jesus is saying, because he just keeps talking. There's like, there aren't a lot of breaks. It's just still going. And everything he says, you're like, yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, that's good. What does all of this mean together? Why is all of this here? What is the big point that Jesus is trying to get across? How is he trying to help his disciples? Well, it helps to kind of put this in context and in what was happening that night. If if you remember earlier in John 14, Jesus told his disciples that he would be departing from them soon and they would be unable to follow him where he would go. 
And then he made big promises in verses 12 through 14. He said, I assure you that you will continue doing work that I do, even greater works than what I have done. And you will receive whatever you pray for if you ask in my name. But as we talked about two weeks ago now, those promises seem too good to be true, especially if Jesus departs and they're left alone. And they are understandably concerned that they are not going to be faithful, that they are not going to be doing well if they don't have someone there helping them. And so Jesus, in light of these big long-term promises of verses 12 through 14, that you will do greater works, that whatever you ask in my name, I will give you. In light of those long-term promises, Jesus adds to them many short-term promises. Things he will keep very soon. He wants to make and keep a lot of promises in short order so that they will see, oh, he does what he says. If he promises that, he's going to keep that promise. We see that idea in verse 29. He says, I have told you before it takes place so that when it does take place, you may believe. Jesus is saying, here's what's going to happen. Trust me. And then he tells them a bunch of stuff that's going to happen very soon so that they are strengthened, they are helped to trust him. And so that principle really hangs over everything Jesus says in this passage. He makes a lot of promises. We're going to go through a few of them that he says. We're going to go through in order what he says. So in verse 16, Jesus promises, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper, even the spirit of truth. Just like eight weeks later from when Jesus said that, was Pentecost. And the Spirit came and filled the disciples. Jesus made a promise that shortly thereafter he kept. You can trust me. Then in verse 18, Jesus understands like as good as the Holy Spirit is, we're going to miss you, man. We love you. And he tells them in verse 18, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Jesus is referring to his resurrection from the dead. He says a little bit later, the world will not see me, but you will see me. That's in keeping with the resurrection appearances, that when Jesus rose from the dead, he only appeared to his followers or those who would become his followers. And so Jesus tells them, you will see me. And wouldn't you know it, just a couple days later, he was back with them and they saw him. You can trust me. Then in verse 20, he promises on that day of resurrection, you will know that I am in my Father and you in me and I in you. When they see Jesus risen from the dead, they will realize, whoa, like we knew this guy was like something, but he's God. God in the flesh. He is equal to the Father. He is our Savior. He will keep that promise in just a few days, showing them you can trust me and what I say. Then in verse 26, he promises the Holy Spirit will bring to the disciples' remembrance all that he had said to them. Now, this is a really cool promise, but sadly, it's exclusively for the original disciples. He promised them that they would receive a blessing of supernatural recollection to remember all that Jesus said and did during his ministry. So if you've ever wondered, like, how did they remember all this stuff? Well, 
supernaturally, the Spirit helped them. Now, they may, as you have seen possibly in the Chosen TV series, they, we see some of the disciples taking notes, and they, they might have taken notes as well. Paper was kind of in short supply, though. And so the Spirit helps them to remember all of these things He did. And guess what? After the Spirit came at Pentecost, within a few months, they started remembering. It all started clicking for them, and they remembered. And that the Spirit inspired them not just to remember, but also to record for us in Scripture that we might come to believe as well. And so all of these promises Jesus makes in this passage are intended to be kept soon, in short order, so that the disciples would be helped and their faith would be strengthened. They would be encouraged, oh, we can trust His Word. We can obey this man's commands. Well, the same goes for us. We have the Word of God in the Bible as well. And the Bible shows us a whole lot of examples of God keeping His Word. That again and again, all throughout the Scriptures, we see God's Word proven true. And when we see that, we should be strengthened to trust in His Word. Comforted that knowing no matter how unlikely it may seem, God's promises will be fulfilled. And obeying His commandments will lead to our good. And so Christ shows that through His words. But in that coming day, after Jesus spoke to them, He was not just going to show it through His words, but through His actions. He says in verse 31 that He does as the Father commanded Him, so that the world may know that He loves the Father. His loving obedience to the Father would be seen when He submits to the ruler of this world. He's speaking there about Satan, the devil. And he says, he has no claim on my life. That I have never sinned. I do not deserve to die. He has no power over me. But Christ also says that he willingly gives up his life in obedience to the Father. And he does so trusting the Father, knowing this sacrifice will lead to the good of our salvation and the glory of God. And so both through His words and through His life, Christ helps us to trust in Him so that we love Him by obeying His commandments, even if following Him means that we will experience suffering. We know that if we follow Him, if we trust in Him, we will live with Him forever in glory. And so Christ helps us in this way, pointing us to the strength, the truthfulness, the faithfulness of His Word. And so Jesus was a helper to his disciples and also to us in this way by making and keeping promises. But we're also told there's this other helper, the Holy Spirit, who helps the disciples and helps us. So how does the Spirit help us? Well, the primary way that we are told the Spirit helps us is simply by being present with us. The disciples were understandably worried that, I mean, if Jesus isn't with us anymore, like who's in charge? How are we going to be kept in line? Like, I feel like that's the one we need with us. They knew the challenges would be great. They knew they needed another helper with them. And Jesus says, oh, don't worry, I got you covered. The Holy Spirit's coming. He's another helper for you. And I think what's really interesting here, we're just going to take a tiny Trinitarian tangent for a minute, that 
What, what Jesus says about the Spirit in verse 17 is this. You know Him. For He dwells with you, that's present, and will be in you, that's future. Now Jesus is saying these words before Pentecost. And He's saying, I'm giving this helper in the future. But He also says this other helper dwells with you. Meaning right at this moment, the Spirit dwells with you. But He hasn't been given yet. So Jesus must mean that the way the Spirit dwells with them right now is through Jesus. Because Jesus is full of the Holy Spirit. That just as Jesus said earlier, that if you have seen the Father, you have seen Me. Now He is saying, the Spirit is with you right now because I am with you. And we see this strong connection drawn between the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so the disciples are they're sad that they're going to be losing the presence of Christ, but he's telling them the same kind of presence will be with you. Well, actually, he's not going to be with you. He's going to be within you. And so the nature of the presence is very similar, but the manifestation is different. See, the world could see Jesus because Jesus came in the flesh with a body. And other people can see bodies. He came with incarnation in the flesh. But the Holy Spirit comes to indwell, to be within us, making His home within us instead of walking among us like Christ did. And this is why Jesus says the world will not see the Spirit but His people will see the Spirit. Now, you may have heard me read that and have gone like, I, I've not seen the Spirit. I, I, don't, I haven't seen Him. Well, no, we don't see the Spirit as a visible manifestation, but we see the Spirit's presence through His effects in the lives of believers. There's a reason the word for Spirit is also the same word for wind. That just in the same way you can't see the wind, but you hear it, you see its effects outside, you see the, the damage it can cause, okay? Well, we see the, the positive damage the Holy Spirit can cause. And one of those effects of the Spirit is He helps believers understand the Word of God. That's that New Testament reading from 1 Corinthians 2. The Spirit helps those whom He fills to understand the things of God. The world cannot understand them because the world does not have the Spirit. And so we, with the Spirit, can understand these things. Now, we may not be blessed with supernatural, perfect recollection. Boy, that would come in handy. But we are blessed with an understanding of what we are told in the Scriptures. And that the Spirit gives us faith to believe and understand that Word. But the Spirit is not just about working up here in our brains. The Spirit gives us more than understanding. We are told that the Father will send the Spirit in the name of Jesus. Two weeks ago, we saw the importance of that phrase, in Jesus' name, noting that it means being aligned with anything Jesus stands for. And so one commentator writes about the Spirit this, that the Spirit carries on within us the work that Jesus accomplished for us. So the Spirit 
essentially takes this great salvation, this work of Christ, and he comes into our lives and starts like, all right, we got to put this here, do this, that, this, and is getting us fit up with salvation, putting it, installing it, if you will, in our lives. And so the Spirit comes in and starts putting to death the sinful desires in our lives that Christ said, I died for those things. They should be dead. So the Spirit's like, all right, kill, 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 and starts killing those things. But then the Spirit plants within us, by His power, the fruit of the Spirit to grow within us through Christ's resurrection power that we might more resemble Jesus Christ. The Spirit also assures us of our salvation. He, he tells us, testifies to us that we are adopted sons and daughters of God who are deeply loved. And the Spirit reminds us when all seems dark that we have great hope in Christ who tells us death is not the end and I will make all things new. And so being helped in all these ways, we are strengthened to trust in Jesus and obey his word. And we are strengthened to do that even when life is difficult and uncertain. See, Jesus says in verse 27, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not... I'm having trouble hearing you. Oh. Sorry, could you say... I'll speak up. Okay. Uh, We're going to just pop that right off there. There we go. That was pretty good. Jesus says that not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. He's speaking about peace here. John Calvin writes that Jesus is essentially taking the common Jewish greeting of peace or shalom and he's showing us what it's really meant to mean. You see, we say hello or good morning or greetings. And I love in The Hobbit where Gandalf and Bilbo talk, you know, good morning. Well, what do you mean by that? Do you mean to wish me a good morning? Are you saying this morning is good? And it's, well, we're just like, we're saying the thing we're supposed to say. That's all we're doing here, okay? And so the Jews, when they would greet one another, they would say shalom, meaning peace and prosperity be with you. But were they saying, it is with you? I hope it's with you. I pray it's with you. We can't just like say peace and give peace. Jesus can. Jesus can say, my peace I give to you. And he can actually give that peace. He says the world can't do that. The world promises peace in so many ways. We've seen it a lot. Just in the last few years. The world promises utopia through various political systems. Hasn't happened yet. Not going to happen. The world promises peace if we only acquire the right goods in the right amount. I mean, there's a lot of rich people out there and they don't seem satisfied. The world promises peace if we only follow the desires of our heart. It's not working for people either. The world promises peace in any number of ways, but the world to this day has never provided real and lasting peace, but Jesus can.
can. And Jesus does. He doesn't just say, I hope you get peace. He actually gives peace. He leaves us with peace through the Spirit who indwells us. And the Spirit testifies to our hearts that we are at peace with God through Jesus. And that no matter what we are experiencing, all things are working towards our good because God is in control. And that gives us peace. And so we have peace with God and peace with our circumstances, but we also have peace with one another. That Jesus gives us peace through the Spirit with one another, with those we have sinned against and with those who have sinned against us. We can have peace through Christ. Jesus fills us with peace internally in the sense that He changes our sinful hearts and minds so that we delight in what is good and right. And then He takes us and sends us out as peacemakers in the world, living as light in a dark world, bringing glimpses of peace in the little places we are. The Spirit gives us peace even when we are suffering and dying, reminding us that death has no claim on us. Because Christ died for our sins and has said, because I live, you will live. And so our passage gives us this great hope to strengthen. It is helping us. And it ends with this just little sentence that seems so insignificant. And it kind of is, I guess. Jesus seems to be inviting his disciples to go with Him and change locations. We're going to start walking towards the Garden of Gethsemane, but I want you to hear those words in a slightly different way. I want you to hear them as the voice of Jesus speaking to you in your darkness and in your absence of peace and wherever you are right now that you need help. I want you to hear Him speaking, rise. Let us go from here. I can give you peace. I can help you out of where you are right now and help you in these ways to love me and trust me. And there will come a day when we hear those words in an even greater way. When we hear them as Jesus' voice speaking to the graves of His people. Rise. Let us go from here. For Jesus and the Spirit help us to believe. They help us to obey His commandments to the end that we will be with God forever in glory. And so even today we have peace in that. And we can rejoice in that hope and we can be keeping those words knowing He is faithful to those words until the end when we hear on that great day, rise. Let us go from here into the kingdom. Let us pray. Oh Lord, we give thanks for the help that You give us. That You are not a God who waits tapping Your foot for us to pull it all together. That You are not a God who tells us to clean it up ourselves. That You are not a God who tells us that You help those who help themselves. No, that is not the case at all. You are a God who helps the helpless. You are a God who helps those who are struggling in their sin, who are dealing with suffering. You help us. You help those of us who find it so hard to obey and believe. You help us to believe. And so we pray for that help. For we know all of our help comes ultimately from You. And so we pray that You would help us not just out 
of sin and suffering, but help us towards You and towards Your love, knowing that that is our final destiny in Christ. It is to be in Your kingdom forever and ever, sharing in Your glory and delighting in You. In the name of Jesus, we pray and long for that hope. Amen.